in this week's market update. Can economic and earnings growth justify the market's strong start to the year? Well, markets are holding onto their gains in the first quarter despite plenty of reasons to worry. That's often a good sign. It suggests that all the concerns are now priced in. It's true that the rise in markets is very largely focused on a handful of large tech stocks, many of which will, as it happens, be reporting on their first quarter results this week. The rest of the market is basically going sideways, but it's still an indication that the market wants to push higher, and it suggests that last October's low point really might be the bottom of the current cycle. The rally on Wall Street has taken US valuations up to the top of the range they've been sat in for the past year. Shares have cycled between roughly 15 and 18 times expected earnings since last spring, and currently they're pushing up against the top end of that range. So a key question is whether they can break out of that channel, and the answer to that valuation question hinges on three main unknowns. Where next for corporate earnings? When do interest rates peak and start to fall? And are we heading for a recession? The three, of course, are related. So to start with, earnings. We're in the early stages of the first quarter earnings season. So far, so good, although there have been some worrying straws in the wind. Amex last week reported on a cooling of consumer demand. As one of the main payment platforms, it's a good canary in the coal mine for people's willingness to spend. Visa, its rival, reports this week. Overall, analysts are forecasting a fairly modest decline in earnings this year, with the first two quarters bearing the brunt of the fall. That feels a bit optimistic given the scale of monetary tightening and the fragile state of the banking sector as shown during last month's wobble. On this side of the pond, profit warnings in the first quarter were at a higher rate than at any time since before the pandemic. Well, this week is a big one for earnings right across the board, but with a focus on tech stocks. We've results from Google owner Alphabet, Facebook owner Meta, Amazon and Microsoft this week. Given the extent to which these giant tech stocks have dragged the market higher so far this year, this week's results could provide an important insight into whether the rally has been justified. But it's not just tech that's reporting this week. We've also got banks in the form of Barclays, NatWest, Credit Suisse and Deutsche. Consumer stocks such as Coca-Cola, Nestle and Colgate-Palmolive are also unveiling figures. And house builders Persimmon and Taylor Wimpy are also reporting. Of course, one of the key drivers of corporate profitability is what happens with interest rates. The consensus is that the central bank meetings on the 4th of May in the US and the 11th of May over here will probably lead to one more quarter point hike in interest rates, but that this will be the end of the tightening cycle. In part, that's because inflation is starting to fall, more obviously in the US than here, where price rises are still in double digits. In part, it's the realisation that the risks are growing, that the dramatic upswing in the cost of borrowing over the past year or so might have already gone too far. Historically, central banks tend to keep tightening until something breaks, and it doesn't look like this cycle is going to be any different. One interesting question has come out of the current upswing in rates, however, and that is why there's not been more of an impact already. It looks like businesses and consumers may have become more resilient to rising interest rates than in previous cycles. The reason why that might be the case is the growing prevalence of fixed rate loans, which delays the pain of a rate hike 
even if it can't cancel it out completely. To illustrate this, the average 30-year mortgage rate in the US has jumped from 2.9% in 2020 to 6.9% today. Despite this, the average coupon on an index of mortgage-backed securities has only risen from 26 to 2.8%. That's a reflection of the lag between rising rates and rising monthly mortgage payments. Yes, the pain has been deferred, but it doesn't mean that it won't kick in in due course. And that points to the next unknown. Are we heading for a recession? On this, the odds have certainly shortened. Our in-house strategists recently bumped up their assessment of the likelihood of a mild recession to 80% and of a more serious one to 15%. So the odds of a so-called soft landing are just 5% on this basis. If those forecasts are right, then not only will interest rates peak very soon, but they're very likely to start falling well before the end of the year. And that's probably what investors are counting on. They're doing what markets have always done, looked through the upcoming downturn to better times ahead. Typically, this happens about six months ahead of the reality. We should get a good hint about which way economies are heading this week because on both sides of the Atlantic we have GDP numbers due to be announced. Over here, all the big Eurozone economies will be unveiling their growth rate in the first quarter and the consensus is for the 45% fall in gas prices since December to have fed through into a return to economic growth. The forecast is for a 0.2% rise on the previous quarter and 1.3% year on year better trade on the back of China's reopening will also be a factor. Over in the US, meanwhile, there should be some evidence of a slowing in the rate of growth, but it should still be safely in positive territory, up 2% year on year, compared with 2.6% growth in the fourth quarter. That's a pretty good result when you consider that US interest rates are currently standing at a 15-year high. If the forecasts are right and growth and earnings do start to pick up in the second half of this year, then the current market rally that started in October last year is right on cue. Typically, valuations rise during this re-rating process by about 40%, which would suggest that the average price earnings multiple could rise from the recent low of 15 to, say, 21 on the basis of next year's forecast average earnings for the S&P 500 of $230, that will take the market back to the previous peak of 4800 And from there, rising earnings will pick up the baton and take the market onwards into new territory. Well, that's the optimistic view, and it is quite plausible. Even more so for markets other than the US, where valuations are much lower. The UK, Japan, Europe, and particularly emerging markets look pretty interesting on that basis. The pessimistic view is that those earnings forecasts are just too punchy, that recession turns out to be deeper than we fear, that inflation stays higher for longer, and consequently central banks keep interest rates higher for longer. What does look likely, as those two scenarios vie for dominance in investors' minds, is that markets are pretty volatile in the weeks and months ahead. And with so much uncertainty, one asset that's likely to remain in demand is gold. Already rising close to an all-time high, the precious metal is receiving a big boost from central banks around the world, which are loading up on this historic safe haven as geopolitical and financial tensions remain elevated. 
the amount of gold bought by central banks rose by 152% year-on-year in 2022, according to the World Gold Council. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.